Welcome to the PB&J podcast. This will not be televised. Whether you agree with us or not, we invite you to be curious, become empowered, conduct your own research, and gain personal confidence with the goal of improving your overall health and wellness. For health topics and questions, we encourage everyone to consult their physician to discuss the best care and treatments for their personal situation. Welcome everybody to today's podcast. This is PB&J. We're going to be talking to you about sugar. Pam, take it away. Yeah. Hi listeners. It's, it's a new day, a new podcast. Today we're going to talk about sugars and the correlation between sugars, disease, and inflammation in the body because our bodies cannot actually keep more than four grams of of sugar in our, in our bloodstream. And you know, you say, okay, four, four grams is not a lot, but of course, if you eat a cookie, it's gonna be more than four grams most of the time. One uh, cookie? If, Who can stop yeah. at one cookie? That's what I wanna know. <laughs> right, <laughs> right, and right, that's another issue. Who's gonna eat just one cookie, Jay? Well, it's, if it's the size of a basketball, maybe, but yeah, that's but not likely to happen. <laughs> Yeah, but if you talk about a small cookie, a small cookie, like something the size of maybe a Chips Ahoy or something. Yeah, you got to have 10 of those. I'm sorry, that's just me. <laughs> no, that's a lot of us who, who crave sugar on a daily basis, you know, because I do. I, I crave sugar. And so trying to maintain, you know, our sugar levels to a low enough state that it doesn't cause some of these diseases. And people don't even realize that. You know that piece of cake could be a contributing factor to your type to type two diabetes or to some cancer risk or even non-alcohol liver disease. I don't know if you've ever heard of that. So yeah. So what happens? And I'm not going to get real technical about this, but you know everybody's been talking about microbiomes and your gut health and how it plays a part on your digestive system as well as on diseases. So microbiomes are basically, they're these, um, these micro or, microorganisms that exist inside the body and there's trillions of them inside the large intestines. So there are certain large intestines that, you know, there's about thousand species of bacteria and it depends on individuals how they're able to process sugar and how their bodies are able to uh, digest this, the, the sugars as well as their liver and how their liver functions. Because we've talked about this before, Jay. Every individual is different. Every body is different and unique. And so we're just kind of giving you a general overview of, of what are the impacts of simple sugars. Right, and sugar is a simple sugar. Right, and you know, Pam, I have to say, when we are talking about some of these uh, topics, and sugar is, is one of them, we think in terms of adult, adults, and then we think back in childhood how it's it was so much easier to eat a lot of sugar and it didn't have a detrimental effect. But as you start to age, you know, everything starts to kick in, and, and you have to start watching things like sugar and sodium and things like that. So you're right; yeah. everybody's different, and you know what we say today about sugar may not apply to someone maybe in their teens or early twenties. You're absolutely right. Um, yeah, because 
our bodies change, and you're right, our bodies change, but what we do with our bodies also change over time. You know, everybody wants to maintain a healthy body, but they may not be maintaining the organs that make that body healthy. And so that's where sugar comes into play because of the fact that anything we ingest, and you know this, anything we ingest goes through the, the liver. So the liver has to be able to process it. When you have an increased uh, intake of sugar, it blocks some of the healthy foods such as proteins and vegetables. And, and people don't even, you know, don't even think about that part that it is the organ itself that you have to think about and how it's able to process those healthy foods. So we can all eat healthy, but if you're eating healthy 85% of the time, but at the same time you're taking in sugar, because you feel like, okay, I've had the salad, right? I've had all my, my vegetables for the day. It's time to go to bed. I can afford to have that little cup of ice cream. Really? you think, you think. So it's like we have to understand that the liver is there for a reason. It's, it's there to help to for the, the insulin that our body needs as well as for the intake. So there are some definite risks of the intake of increased intake of sugar because not only does it cause inflammation in the body, uh, which we all try to avoid, but it is also associated with some cancers as well as type 2 diabetes. Right. And, you know, um, I, I can relate to the type 2 diabetes because um, during one of my annual, actually two of my annual checkups, um, my doctor informed me that I was pre-diabetic. And I'm like, what? Mm. What? Well, um, that it's a very common diagnosis for women who have reached menopause age, and I'm one of those women. And so uh, I've also talked to friends of mine who have also been diagnosed as pre-diabetic. And so I had to make instant changes to my diet uh, mm. so that the next time I saw my doctor, she wasn't, you know, saying, okay, now you're, now you're on medication because, you know, your, your diet is so bad. And so that's right. just one of those, just like you said, uh, your metabolism and your liver and, and all that stuff, it plays such a big part in uh, processing whatever you're ingesting, um, mm. when you're ingesting it and, and all that jazz. So, so when you incorporate it, when you had to make changes into your diet, mm -hmm. what did you do first? The first thing I did was, well, I was addicted, literally, I was addicted to Diet Coke. And when I told her how much Diet Coke I was drinking, and that was uh, approximately, don't gasp, uh, three 16-ounce bottles of Diet Coke every day. Okay. Um, you know, the, uh, the fake sugar that's in those Diet Cokes is as bad as, you know, sugar because your body um, is still craving the sugar. So it's not like a Diet Coke is keeping you from your, your sugar addiction or your sugar um, cravings. In fact, it can even make it worse. And not, not only that, but the things that are in uh, diet beverages, whether yeah. it be Diet Coke or, or Diet Pepsi, or I'm not, I'm not dissing on any particular company here, um, right. but there's a lot of chemicals in there that are just not natural, not a good addition to your body. I mean, they just, yeah. they just aren't. It's like, why, why add insult to injury when there's all kinds of other chemicals and everything else that we're ingesting? We don't need to add to that either. 
and that's so, true. That's true. And, and the bad part about it is that the chemicals that they add to these to to give them the flavors mm-hmm. that we want, they they're there. And I know you'll talk about the whole food industry and how that that kind of operates. But those um, chemicals are actually are the ones that are causing the most damage. You know, Cause right. so even though we, you know, I knew someone, <clears throat> former colleague, who said that they didn't like sugar. They didn't eat desserts, pies, cakes, whatever. But every day, every morning, before coming into work, they would stop by McDonald's and get one of those giant sweet teas. Oh, jeez. You know? Yes, so I know what was, you're talking about. <laughs> yeah, those <laughs> so things are so sugary. Right, exactly. And it's enough sugar in there. It's like, I don't know, maybe I, I'm kind of guesstimating, but I think it's somewhere around two and a half cups of sugar just in one of those. And and that's enough to actually cause all kinds of problems. And and I'm surprised with you, Jay, because of the fact, you're, you know, people always think that if you're pre-diabetic, you have to be overweight. And you're a, a testament to itself. You're not overweight. You're actually in perfect shape. And so, how do how do you you know how do we how do we get to this point? And a lot of it has to do with what we put in our bodies. So if we we start consuming you know some of the the natural fruits, like the fruits that are in vegetables and and roots and and um, and fruits, then it it actually helps us to detoxify our body. But here's the thing. Research has shown that even if you try to get to the point that you're, let's go back to the microbiome, if you try to get your gut microbiome healthy again, healthy again, it's going to take about six months to do it. So when you're talking about eliminating some of these sugars from your system, it's going to take a while. It's not going to be overnight. I can't just say, okay, I'm not going to eat sugar for the next 30 days. 30 days is not going to do it because we have done so much damage to our bodies. And that sugar intake, it, it could be great. And I can't tell you what you, how much you know, uh, sugar that you're intaking. And there's a way that you can do this by just writing down, just keeping a food diary and write down everything that you're eating. And, and then note in those in your food diet how much sugar each thing contains. Because we don't know unless we know. And you know how that works. Right. And and I would say the there are so many hidden sources of sugar that even when you think you have cut sugar from your diet, you have not cut sugar from your diet. And there's I, I would venture to say only because I'm one of them the likelihood of me keeping a food diary to track anything is so remote. There's no right. way I'm keeping a food diary. I mean, I just, there's just no way that's happening. And so right. your, your average Jane or Joe on the street is probably not going, now there might be apps on your phone that you could keep, you know, yeah. and I'm sure there are. There are, but, but who, who takes the time that every time they eat something, they're going to go into the app and write it down. Or 
how truthful are they going to be? Again, I'm thinking of myself. <laughs> it's like, well, should I add? Should I add that piece of cake that I had? You know, with that sugary frosting. It was only and, a, right. It was only a half a piece. And right? it was only that one time. And you know, I I walked on my treadmill for two miles afterwards. Does that count? Yeah, it does. Unfortunately. Yeah, right. Right. And so you were talking. You were talking a minute ago about how much sugar is in that sweet tea. So I was looking on um, the Healthline website, and they said that a regular soft drink, 12-ounce soft drink, like your regular cola, uh-huh. um, it says it's a can, um, has as much as eight teaspoons of sugar. Uh-huh. Eight teaspoons, if you think about eight teaspoons, and you're just, say you're, using, say you're drinking tea. Uh-huh. Can you imagine putting eight teaspoons of sugar in your regular tea? Because I can't. Even when I was putting sugar in my tea, which I don't anymore, by the way, I was only putting in three teaspoons. Yeah, and that was be, plenty. Yeah, it's going to end up being almost like syrup. Right. Like once the sugar dissolves. Yeah. And so, if you think of it that way, and that's a good point, because we can imagine, like, fix yourself a cup of tea, right? Yep. Just regular tea, unsweetened black tea, you know, and put a teaspoon. You said teaspoons, right? Teaspoons, yeah. yeah. Put eight teaspoons in that tea and try to drink it. Yikes. <laughs> I, right. I could, I, that would be terrible. But Yeah, but that's a, good, that's a good way to kind of look at when you're thinking about drinking that soda. Right, right. You know, because like I said, there are people who, are, who, who grasp things that are in, in, in writing, and there are other people who are visual. Yeah. And do you remember, and, and the reason why I say this is because, you know, we can break our own habits and our own rhythms by having a bad experience. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Absolutely. I used to love onion dip. Yes. With potato chips. Yes. Okay? I'm, you and I are the same. I told Just, you about, I told you, I, I think I told you about that time when... My parents would have people over to play cards, and my mom would sit me in my room with a bag of chips and French onion dip. Did I tell you that? <laughs> yes, I and I would eat the whole bag. That was when I was a kid. Now I was like ten, so right. yeah. Right. But yeah, but yeah. Uh, yeah. So, and that's a good example because it's like I had that experience. I ate it so much, loved it so much. I would make even take a walk to the store just to get French onion dip in the bag of chips, right? Yeah. I ate it so much that one day I ate it and I got sick. I just became nauseous. And that was it enough. It wasn't that I threw it up or, you know, or that I just ended up being nauseous. Right. Ever since that day, and this has been, oh, it's been a good mm, 30 years ago, I have not touched the smell of French onion dip turns me off. No it doesn't kidding. make me sick. Wow. But I can't I can't that was such a bad experience for me. Right. So sometimes, you know, there's a you know, I always say this and, and this is a term that I use, um, is that sometimes there's beauty in unfortunate events. <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> that that good old silver lining, right? It it shows right. up when you least expect it. Yeah. And and it's funny you say that because Pam I I don't know why I stopped eating potato chips and French onion dip because I didn't have any bad experiences. I think no. I just, I, I must have stopped when I moved out of my parents' house. 
<laughs> my enablers uh, right. were no longer there. <laughs> yeah, no longer easy access. Right, right. So I don't. I didn't have any bad experience, but I don't. I haven't had. It's probably been thirty years, maybe more, for me too. Well, maybe forty. See? I don't know. See, so, so there are. We can kind of create our own bad experiences, and and, and using that cup of tea and putting eight eight teaspoons of sugar in it may be something that you can use when you think about that next drink, that next soft drink, or if you're thinking about something that you would normally drink. Look at the number of grams on the on the bottle or on the label. And determine how much it is and then do a conversion into teaspoons and then imagine putting that into your something that's unsweetened and you're just kind of drinking it straight up you know right. so yeah so you know i'm just kind of putting it out there because bad bad events to this day i cannot think about even think about uh eating french onion dip yeah and chips. I, yeah, I hear you. I've had some bad experiences with food too, but I won't go into that. Um, right. But you know what I do want to talk about because you were talking about um, you know health and and the liver and and those kinds of things. And according to the American Heart Association, this is interesting. The maximum amount of added sugars. Now this is added sugars. Okay, this is this mm-hmm. is sugar that you add, not sugar that's in the already naturally in the food and drink that you you ingest. Mm-hmm. Um, for men, uh, it's about nine teaspoons of sugar. Now this is per day added sugar, mm-hmm. and for women, it's six teaspoons. That's not a lot. So if you think about um, that that sweet tea, like you're talking about. Mm-hmm. Or if you think about um, that brownie or that piece of cake or that pie or that oatmeal that you've put honey on, because that's added sugar, by the way. Just because honey right. is natural doesn't mean it's not added. Um, it, it's not, they don't give you a, a lot of room for adding sugar to your diet. Um, it's just not a good way to go. And you would ask me before, I wanted to mention this before I forgot. You would ask me, you know, what I did to try to bring down my uh, sugar values. Another thing that I started doing was looking at labels when I shopped. I've never looked at labels more so than uh, after I was told that I was pre-diabetic. And I started looking at all the sugar that was in uh, foods. And I stopped eating many, many things. In fact, one of those things that I thought was good for me was flavored oatmeal. Yeah, Mm. not so much. Uh, same thing with yogurt. Not so much. Uh, you see all the the sugar that's in supposedly healthy foods. You start looking at the labels and thinking about how much sugar has been added. Yogurt right. doesn't no- naturally have a lot of sugar in it, for example. True. So plain yogurt, if you want to add some fresh fruit, is a okay. Same thing yeah. with oatmeal. Oatmeal doesn't naturally have sugar in it, but if you want to add fresh strawberries or blueberries. Yeah, or even bananas. Or even bananas. Yeah. 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 I, I like the sugar taste of the bananas. Right. As well as um, the creaminess of the bananas. Right. You know, so, yeah. yeah. So there, there are definitely ways that you can switch out and, and still have the, op- the time to, you know, taste those sweet, delicious things. But you, it's funny, when you eliminate some of the sugar... You stop craving the sugar. You are, you know, you're so right, Pam. And here's the deal. Once you've eliminated a lot of the sugar, 
when you have something that's super sweet, you're just turned off of it so completely that you don't even want to finish whatever it is that you've started eating because it's so, so sweet. You're like, oh my God, this I can't even eat it. It's too sweet for me. Yeah, it, it is so true because I, I and I had that experience when I stopped using sugar and tea, which would have been many years ago. If somebody, if I drink tea that has sugar, I can't drink it. I cannot drink it. Right. If it has sugar in it, I don't care what kind of tea it is, herbal tea, whatever. If it has sugar, I just can't drink. I can't. It, the taste of it doesn't even taste real to me anymore. Yeah, I hear you. Yeah, I'm with you. And um, by the way, yes. when we're talking about sugar, uh, folks who listeners who drink alcohol, um, there's a lot of sugar in alcohol. Um, <laughs> just saying. don't think that because you're drinking uh you know wine or uh even spirits you know whiskey and and things like that there's a lot of sugar in there just saying a lot a lot that's (laughs) not not good sugar a lot of sugar yeah and you know and and you know uh someone who's an alcoholic you know their likelihood of getting liver disease Mm -hmm. you know is is uh is heightened because of the amount of alcohol that they put in the body because it has to go through the, the, the liver to, in order to create that insulin that insulin and it ends up going you know destroying it pretty much breaking it down because of that intake sugar so yeah so sugar is just i mean but we talked about it it's everywhere it's, it's everywhere. everywhere and in everything i remember when i found out that there was so much sugar in milk, and this has been good 10 plus years ago, uh, but when I found out that it was sugar in milk, and I was like, why? <laughs> why? <laughs> why? 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 <laughs> why? You know, it, it didn't make sense to me. It was like, why would they put, and then when I saw there was sugar in most bread, I was like, so when I, you know, I was like you, I was becoming like the sugar detective, you know, yes. just trying to find out where sugar was. And I was reading labels everywhere. And, and I, I looked at some of these labels and I'm like, what, can't I just get bread without sugar? Can right. I just get milk without sugar? So I ended up not drinking milk. And I don't even know if I can drink milk now. Yeah. Yeah. Because I, I'm afraid that it's going to have an adverse impact on my stomach. Sure. You know, because it's, I eliminated so, so long ago and I ended up going with, you know, nut, nut milk or either, you know, soy milk or, or some other, you know. Right. Some other type of. <sighs> but the, the here we are milk. today. Yeah. Here it's... we are today trying to get through the process of becoming, you know, healthy and, and trying to gain control over our own destiny and our own bodies so that as we age, we can actually age gracefully without having all the problems associated with cancer and diabetes and and heart disease because heart disease is another uh, uh, effect of increased sugar. You know, having heart disease, having a heart attack, uh, they found that sugar was linked to all of these diseases and they're actually preventable if if we put controls over what we're doing. Right, and when when but you how think, can you 
do that when you've got an industry that's pumping, that's making it so accessible and giving us almost relatively, especially if you're on a limited income. Yes. You know, right. You can't always go organic. You can't always go sugar free. Well, sugar free, I'm not going to say sugar free. Those products that are healthier for you with less amounts of, uh, you know, those refined sugars, the simple sugars in it. So what do you do, Jay? Yeah, you, you've hit the nail on the head when it comes to uh, you want to buy the products that are more healthy, whether they be organic or um, no added sugar or, you know, fill in the blank. They're mm-hmm. always, you know, more expensive. Um, they usually don't have the shelf life of some other things that have got all kinds of processed, you know, preservatives and all this other nonsense. And you've got people who are living on a shoestring. You've got people living from paycheck to paycheck. And it's like, well, yeah, I can't buy that. I have to buy what I can afford. And so, you know, the industry is not helping matters by making things that are more healthy, less affordable. Um, and, you know, with the uh, grocery prices going up these days with inflation, um, it's just not, it's, it's not making things any better. And when I see articles on obesity, and we've talked about obesity before and even liver, when you see these uh, United States maps of, you know, the states with the, the highest obesity rates, it's like, well, you know, why do you think that is? Well, it's because of availability. It's because, uh, you know, decent food is not within reach of most people with the with their incomes. Right. And you've got commercials, you know, with the mega burgers with, you know, three patties on a bun, you know, loaded with cheese and what else, or, whatever else on there. Two for two for five. Exactly. Exactly. And that includes, you know, a dessert. And you're like... Who can eat all of that food, number one? And can't you make something healthy? Can't you do something a little better so that people are healthier? And then and then we start talking about health costs, right? Yeah, then you don't have yeah, to go yeah. to the doctor as often because you're healthier and blah, 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 blah. So. Right, yeah. And, and, and I'm glad you said something about people on a shoestring because, you know, the thing is I, I try to help people. To, to change their diets, you know, and change their, their lifestyle, um, the way they're eating. But here it is. When you're on a limited budget, when you're living on a shoestring, those things are not sustainable. Nope. And so I have to try to get them, I have to try to be in the mindset. I need to be where they are and what can I do if I was in the same position, how would I? How would I be able to maneuver and how can I be able to maneuver through this whole uh, industry of marketeers? And I call them marketeers because <laughs> that's what they're out there for. Snake they're oil salesmen. Yeah, <laughs> right. <sorry>. Exactly. <laughs> how, do you, how do you get through that? Because of the fact that somebody who's on a limited budget and they know that they have enough money to last for the month in order for food, set aside just for food, it's like... How do you get them to the point of eating healthy? And I'm going to tell you, one of the, the key things is go to the farmer's market. If you can find a farmer's market anywhere in any, you can find one in pretty much anywhere in any community. Farmer's market is going to give you the best products without all the pesticides that these big companies are doing. Um, and, and you'll end up getting fresher products and 
probably cheaper prices. And another thing that I, I, I would tell is to go to an Asian market where yeah. they have the fruits and vegetables because they're much cheaper than if you went to a big grocery store or, you know, or your local grocery Right. And, you know, another thing, too, you just reminded me of something uh, when I was living on a very small shoestring uh, when I lived out in the Pacific Northwest. And folks out there who were also in my same economic category, Uh they did a lot of canning. And so if they had a garden, for example, and they had lots, I'll use tomatoes as an example. Say they Mm -hmm. grew tomatoes and they they grew more tomatoes than they could possibly eat. Um, They were into canning like nobody's business. And the canning does not require you to, you know, manipulate the food. It just requires the sanitation and all that other stuff that goes with canning. But that I think is a lost art uh, with most people Mm -hmm. these days. You know, whether it be dehydration of foods to keep them longer, you know, to keep that shelf life. Shelf life. So if you can't eat, if you go to a farmer's market, for example, and you get a, I don't know, 10 tomatoes and you're like, Uh oh, God, I can only eat one. What am I going to do with these others? Instead of wasting them, you could turn them into something else and freeze them for later consumption. And so that's, that's, you know, that's, you know, one of the ways that people I think have, I wouldn't say everybody's forgotten, but... Uh, young people it's who not, are younger it's than not us. Well practiced mm-hmm. in, in most in, in most environments, unless you live on a commune, which you and I said <laughs> yeah. we, were, we were going to start. Right? <laughs> <laughs> I, I prefer to call it an enclave. An enclave, not a commune. <laughs> yeah, because I I, ha- I know this woman who actually lives on one, mm-hmm. um, and they brazen everything. They're brazing everything and they're selling everything. Yes. You know? Yes. Um, and it's just a community of people who are just kind of living off the land and, and helping each other to, to live healthier lives as well as to, to be able to sustain themselves by selling what they produce. Right. And even in urban areas, I'm sure you've seen this before, they mm-hmm. are actually plots of small land where they're community gardens. Um, sure. So even if you're in an urban area, you live in a high rise in an apartment there may be some community gardens nearby that you could check into, uh, some that's, co-ops that's and true. things like that. So that's true. Or yeah. go to the go to any of the stores, uh, nurseries, or even Home Depot, or whatever, uh, whatever closer to you. Buy yourself a tomato plant. Exactly. Even you can you know? grow you can grow tomatoes um, anyway, on your balcony. <laughs> and, and so they have. So this right. is so cool. I have seen these uh, like upside down plant things. Oh, yes. That are in a bag that you can grow, and you can hang those. If you live in an apartment, you can grow those from your balcony. And I've never done it, so I don't know. Could Me be either. totally Me bogus. Either. I don't know. They're not like chia pets or anything, right? right. So right. Chia but when pet. you think of when, yeah, but when you think about the cost of tomato, yep. Not only that, but when you want to get organic tomatoes, yep. of course, are going to be a little bit more pricier. Yep. Um, if you get locals. Right. Locals are a little bit cheaper. However, they're not always in the grocery stores, mm-hmm. you know, or so they may not be ripe either. Orchard. Right. So you're yeah. waiting for them to get ripe because you don't want like right. a green tomato. Absolutely. Unless you're frying them. Unless you're frying but don't get me started them. on fried green tomatoes. I was say, yeah, they're, they're delicious. <laughs> mm-hmm. They are delicious. Yes. Um, but um, yeah, so, uh, you know, I think 
people have to start thinking about how can I sustain sustain a diet, a healthy diet, you know, um, and it depends on your, you know, your finances, your, your wherewithal, but there are always opportunities to learn more about, you know, sustainable gardens and, and trying to, you know, create an environment where you can easily go to a farmer's market, maybe one day out of the week, um, and actually get fruits and vegetables that are cheaper. Uh, make yourself more salads, you know, make more salads, put more fresh fruits and vegetables in your, your you know, diet. Roast vegetables, they're, they're great for you. Oh, roasted well. vegetables are, I tell you what, once you have a regular vegetable and then you roast it, you'll never go back to regular. That's, that is so yeah. true, so very true. On the grill, people like to grill, Ooh. throw some vegetables on the grill. Oh my goodness. <laughs> You talk right. about, you know, hating vegetables and then starting to love them. That's yeah, one way to right. do it. You're yeah. absolutely right. And and even to have grilled, you know, grilled mushrooms. Yes. I like to have grilled mushrooms because they take to me, because I'm a pescetarian. I don't eat meat, but I eat fish. To me, they taste better than burgers. You know, right. when you're when you season them just right and then, you know, or you just sear them in a pan. Uh, you know, so there, there's opportunities to, for us all to grow. To and, and I'm gonna tell you something: the the industry itself, the industry, the food industry itself, is there to make money. The more they can get people accustomed to convenience and to get products that taste good, so they don't taste like, you know cardboard you know not you know they take out all the, the all the bad, good stuff you know they take out all the bad stuff and put in just good stuff and they always worried about well we won't people won't buy it because it doesn't taste good right you know but at the same time it's like why don't you make things that are healthy that taste good yeah so what a concept that. right yeah what are you thinking pam come on uh, <laughs> <laughs> You know, if it, look, if I had the the wherewithal to do something like that, then I would. But that's why we're here. We're teaching so that somebody else may come up with some better concept, better ways of impacting the industry, the food industry, so that it doesn't matter what your social economic situation is. You're able to buy healthy food in order to live longer. Right, and you know, I think the the takeaway from this is for for your diet and for nutrition and you know whether it be sugar or sodium or or anything else carbs fill in the blank um if you have control over that even if you are living on a shoestring there are creative ways to make your diet healthier the things that we don't have control over things like air pollution water pollution uh, it's really, it, you know, it's hard to fix those things. But if you have the ability to control um, your sugar intake and your sodium intake and, and all those, you know, crazy things, at least you can, you know, impact something in your life to make your life healthier. Yeah, on that note, Jay, I'm going to say this was, again, another great episode. Uh, we're going to give it to our, our viewers and with this, the information that we provide you on this podcast, we wish you peace, love, and good health. Take care, everybody.